Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Well, we know the feds had a um, two-day meeting that wrapped up this afternoon. Um, this is going to be like, let's just rip the Band-Aid off type of situation. Unfortunately, they put extra gauze over that band hitting. We'll talk more about what that entails. We did see some mixed numbers in this grain market today. Weather concerns, of course, are bringing deterioration to crop ratings. And as I've talked to a couple producers just in my neck of the woods, if they don't get rain in the next five days, their dry land is pretty much done for. What's that all mean to the marketplace? And then globally, we got the grain initiative and relations with China. How are things working in that and how is that going to influence what we see? We're going to do that and a whole lot more as we talk about the markets today with Arlen Suderman. Arlen, of course, with Stonex. So let's kind of start out with these feds. I jokingly said, and we talked about this before you and I went on the air, let's just rip this Band-Aid off after they made their announcements this afternoon. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And and that's my personal bias that there's just been a lack of leadership there from the Fed. Um, If you're going to bring inflation down to a 2% mandate, you, you need to do it. Quit fooling around, so to speak. And they came out today with their statement saying, we're going to go up. We're going to have two more rate hikes this year, but we're not going to do it now. And we haven't made a decision whether we're going to do it in July. Well, if you know you're going to do it and the stock market is working higher, the stock market's actually giving you cover to do it now. So just kind of like initially when they started this, they they sh- they started too late on the rate hikes, allowing inflation to get a stronger grip on the country and go higher than what it otherwise would have gone before they started the rate hikes. Um, and because they kept saying, well, it's transitory. And a piece of it was transitory, but there's also a lot of other factors involved that we said this is more than transitory. It's it's going to have a greater grip on our country. And they waited, and then they were working from behind once again. And here, similarly here, why not do it? Um, they They could have started when the stock market was doing very well, and instead by the time they really got started, the stock market was starting to hurt. So it kind of doubled down the problems that we had with the stock market. um, If we look, the NASDAQ is technically in a bull market now, so it's given them cover to go ahead and raise the rates more if that's what they think they need to do. So why not do it now and, and not prolong the misery even longer and be able to be more effective because you hit the inflation sooner rather than later. Uh, But I guess I'm not on the Federal Reserve, so it doesn't matter what I say from that standpoint. The bottom line is, though, that we can expect interest rates to go up at least another 50 basis points. And that's what the Fed is telling us. That's probably the most direct communication that they have given us. And I think meant to kind of shock the market into realizing that they're serious about this. The problem is the stickiness of wage inflation that continues to be here. They're seeing the unemployment rate go up at a slower pace than what they expected. Job openings are starting to increase once again. We're starting to see some recovery in the housing market. And as they see all of that at a time um, when they just um, – I want to say what their this point in the rate cycle means that there's still so much stimulus in the economy that they have not done their job yet if they're going to get back to the 2% mandate. So looking at beyond uh, beyond these Fed reports, I think the other thing that's just kind of been hanging out there has been these weather concerns 
and how that's going to continue to have an effect on this grain market. I know it's been kind of slow to evolve, but as we get week by week more deterioration in these crop ratings, it's got to bring some attention. Oh, it certainly is. Now, first of all, crop ratings in June don't matter a whole lot to yield, and I'm talking national picture. And I know very clearly that there are farmers in Nebraska who are hurting. Um, in fact, East Central Nebraska is one of the driest parts of the ag belt right now. You go to southwest Nebraska, and it's one of the wettest parts of the ag belt. So we've got to quite a spread just across Nebraska right now. And if you're in one of those spots that's been missing the range, you really don't want to hear <laughs> about how good it is elsewhere. And I apologize for that. But from our standpoint of analyzing what we can expect out of the markets, I have to look at the big picture and the, the broader picture. And yes, the Midwest as a whole has generally seen dry weather in April and May going into the beginning of June. And as I've looked at and studied, uh, talked to climatologists who um, really I want to say have got a really good track record the last few years um, and look at similar years where we have been very dry in April and May uh, and we're in a developing El Nino, particularly a rapidly developing El Nino. There is a strong pattern for rainfall to improve as we get into late June, into July and August, and especially into July and August. The question is, will that be too late to avoid yield loss? And in some of those driest areas, yes, probably will be, unfortunately. For the Midwest as a whole, not necessarily when you look at the data. And so it's it's an emotional subject, particularly if you're one of those areas that's really hurting the most. We are still on track for that transition. The thing to remember in all of this is the type of rains that you get with this El Nino pattern tend to be the type that these models fail to pick up ahead of time. They're the convective thunderstorm clusters that develop and move across the Midwest. Those don't pick up on the models like what frontal systems do. And so the forecast may remain dry, and it takes time. You've got to rewet the atmosphere, but we have started that process, and rains are increasing in frequency, just not as many and as fast as what we'd like to see happen. Yep, exactly. Well, well hopefully we get some rains that will start to move in to, to change the outlook for this crop well stick around folks we've got a lot more to come back and look at during the second half as we are of course going to talk about what's going on globally we'll take a look at china and some grain initiatives as well it's the font now final bell on the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and channel are trademarks of bear group krvn welcome back to the fontanelle final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield as we continue in our conversation this afternoon with arlen suderman of course arlen is with stone x and left off kind of on some heavy stuff as we talked about what's going on in the big picture of our of our markets here in the state so let's just add to the mixed arlen and let's talk about china yeah, China is the world's largest importer of commodities, so it really does matter to the global market. 
it's trying to diversify away from the United States. Uh, earlier, this, or I guess it was late last year, it signed a, a phytosanitary agreement to be able to buy corn from Brazil. And then this year, it uh, uh, just we're actually within the last few weeks signed a phytosanitary agreement with Argentina. So it has additional sources to buy corn from the United States. So that all matters. Right now, it's buying soybeans from uh, after Brazil's big record harvest. Uh, that are just completed, and it's buying about um, what was it about uh, 25 million? I'm sorry, about 12 million metric tons. Let me get the number right. 12 million metric tons more soybeans over the next three months are going to be shipped to China from Brazil than what it can crush, and what it desires to crush or normally would crush. And we really believe that that 12 million metric tons then is going to be passed stored until the fall when it normally would be buying from us reducing the amount of soybeans that it buys from us. That's our fear anyway. If you look at corn prices right now, it would seem that the demand would be very good because U.S. corn is cheaper, um, about $35 a ton. They're almost a dollar a bushel cheaper than cash corn in China. So you think, oh, good demand, right? Well, if you look at new crop Brazilian corn prices, and they're just starting their harvest right now, it's $28 per ton less than U.S. corn. So that would be, what, about another 75 cents a bushel cheaper than our corn. Um, so where do you think China is going to buy? Even the uh, geopolitical tensions aside, they're going to buy Brazilian corn. And so we're losing those markets. We're losing that market in, spe in specific. And uh, that's very frustrating for U.S. Uh, farmers. Um, but it goes back to the geopolitical tensions with China, and it goes back to currency exchange rates, with uh, Brazil's currency being so cheap relative to the dollar and China's currency being uh, cheap. Um, that's where it pencils out for them to go. Well, then you've got the whole grain initiative, and uh, Poland adding into that whole mix of everything that's going on right now. Yeah, in, in talking about the Ukraine Grain Initiative, which allows exports of grain through three approved ports from Ukraine, Russia inspects the ships on their way into Ukraine, make sure they're not loaded with military equipment, and then inspects the ships when they leave to make sure what's coming out of Ukraine. Uh, and that initiative was initially started last July for 120 days. It was renewed again. It's, it's continually renewed uh, each time it's about ready to expire. But this last time it was renewed, uh, the last two times for 60 days. This last time uh, it was renewed in mid-May to last until July 17th. And each time it starts getting close to renewal time, Russia says, oh, we're not sure we want to renew it. Nothing new there. They're doing that again. But this time around, it looks like that may be for real. Uh, even President Putin in a press conference before um, some military press uh, stated this week um, that uh, there was that they were seriously looking at suspending their participation in the initiative that it did them no good to have it. The only reason they supported it was to help out those countries in Africa uh, in parts of Asia that were friendly to Russia. And they feel like Ukraine is cheating them. They feel like it's not facilitating exports of their grains. They say this at a time when they're exporting record amounts of wheat. Um, but the bottom line is Russia doesn't like 
how lucrative it's been for Ukraine to export grain because that helps generate revenue to help it in its war effort and defending itself against Russia. And so it's looking more and more likely, even the UN that has been very optimistic through this whole thing is now saying it very well may not be extended. If it's not extended, we expect that Ukraine will still go ahead and try to ship grain and they'll subsidize the insurance rates for shippers. Whether that'll be successful or not is yet to be determined. All right, taking a look uh, real quickly, wrap up. I wanted to ask you about these feeders because they were hit pretty hard today. Well, they really were, and, and part of it's uh, technical in nature. Uh, part of it is just the fact that the cattle market was down, live cattle market was down. Uh, and, and part of it is, is simply we got up to these lofty levels, and we start to see some weakness in the board, and the producers are hedging against these cattle markets, uh, and their worries that the, the uh, funds that have big positions are going to start liquidating. So it's nerves at these high altitudes. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen. Stonex.com. We're over on Twitter, Arlen FF101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.